this is Kay Meyer of Family Shield Ministries. Many people have asked me, how and why did you start Family Shield? Because it's a long story, I seldom talk about our early years, but I think it would be beneficial for our supporters and those who care about the ministry to know more about how and why the ministry began. Today, I'll focus on the early history of Family Shield Ministries. Here's a brief summary. In 1981, the Lord led me to witness to a Jehovah's Witness. That encounter changed my life, helped my faith grow, and helped me realize how important it is for us to be able to know God's Word so we can defend our faith against false teachings and dangerous beliefs. I always say Family Shield began in 1981, but we didn't have the name Family Shield Ministries, and we didn't become a nonprofit organization until February of 1994. After that, we also were approved as a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. As a stay-at-home mom with three children in 1981, I was an active volunteer at the Lutheran school my children attended, within my congregation, and in the community. During these years, I also taught all my children at a mother's volunteer co-op preschool in our community. And I taught Sunday school and vacation Bible school for many years, was a room mother and kindergarten aide for my children at their school. And I was also a Cub Scout leader for our oldest son and later a Girl Scout leader for my daughter's troop. So I was very actively involved in family ministry already. When the, when the Lord led me to witness to a Jehovah's Witness in 1981, I had never witnessed to anyone. My daughter, Corrine, had made friends with a girl in her second grade class whose father and stepmother were Jehovah's Witnesses. They lived near us. When Corrine visited Amy at her father's home, they asked her about our faith. After Corrine told me they were Jehovah's Witnesses, I became concerned about what she might be exposed to and decided I wanted to learn more about what Jehovah's Witnesses believe and teach. My pastor, Reverend Edwin DeBerkey, who's now in glory, had told us they were a cult. I didn't know what a cult was at that time, but I wanted to find out. My visit with Kathy, the Jehovah's Witness, changed my life forever, and Family Shield Ministries began. I wrote an article about my first encounter with Jehovah's Witnesses for the Lutheran Witness. It was entitled, A Christian Witness to Jehovah's Witnesses. I want to read a portion of it. Mom, what do Jehovah's Witnesses believe? My daughter Corrine asked after spending the night at her friend Amy's house. Amy's stepmother Kathy and father Terry are Jehovah's Witnesses. We prayed to Jehovah at dinner and at bedtime, Corrine added. In trying to answer Corrine, I quickly realized how little I knew about Jehovah's Witnesses' teachings. When I put the same question to some Christian friends, I discovered they too knew little. Concerned with what Corrine was being exposed to, I determined to learn more. My research led me to a clear conclusion. Jehovah's Witnesses, known formally as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, deny virtually every basic doctrine that the Bible teaches. They deny Jesus' deity, the person of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the bodily resurrection of Christ, Jesus' second coming, 
the existence of hell, the hope of heaven, and the existence of individual souls beyond the grave. In place of these things, Jehovah's Witnesses proclaim a false gospel of two future kingdoms, the heavenly kingdom and the earthly kingdom, which is often called Paradise Earth. The heavenly kingdom will consist of Jehovah God, his king, Jesus Christ, and 144,000 believers who will have shown by their good works that they have earned this special place. The earthly kingdom will consist of all other Jehovah's Witnesses, plus some Old and New Testament believers. The earth will be like the Garden of Eden before sin. People living in the earthly kingdom will never die, though they will live as we do now, marrying and having children. This will be a perfect earth. No sin will exist. But Jesus Christ and Jehovah God, the Father, will not be there. Both of them will reside only in the heavenly kingdom. I felt the need to share my faith in Christ with Kathy. I admit I felt inadequate, fearful that I didn't know enough. After all, I'd never witnessed to anyone. How could I do this? But Christ said, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father through you, from Matthew 10, 19. I prayed a lot and prepared by studying how to respond to Jehovah's Witnesses by Herbert Kern and other apologetic resources. I spoke with Kathy at length in my home the first time. She had been a Jehovah's Witness for 10 years and was now a pioneer, one who spends 90 hours a month going into neighborhoods to distribute watchtower literature and teach interested people about her beliefs. Kathy proclaimed a false Christ to me. She believed that Jesus was a God, lowercase g, but not almighty. Her Christ is not biblical because the Bible proclaims Christ is both true God and true man. Kathy was surprised that I believed Jesus to be God. She told me that in all of her years of being a Jehovah's Witness, no one had ever taken as much time to share their faith with her. As I shared my faith, I stressed that my eternal life did not depend on what I did, but rather on what Christ has done for me on the cross. Kathy felt she must earn her salvation by her good works. Unlike me, she was in no way assured of eternal life now. We spoke several more times, and I continued to pray for her and her husband. I also began witnessing to other Jehovah's Witnesses that the Lord brought into my life. I grew in my knowledge of them through Bible studies, Christian books on cults, and interaction with other Jehovah's Witnesses and ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. Six years after that first encounter, I was invited to speak on KFUO Radio for a 10-day series on how to witness effectively to Jehovah's Witnesses. I learned later that Kathy's young son, Michael, had played with their radio and had left it on the tuner set at AM850 KFUO. By the way, that's our Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate station. Kathy immediately recognized my voice. She phoned her husband, Terry, at work. He also listened. Within a few weeks, we began in-depth discussions again about God's Word. This time, my witnessing to them lasted many months. I strove to clarify their many misconceptions concerning the true Christian church. Through my experience with Kathy and Terry 
and many other Jehovah's Witnesses, I discovered certain things we can do to converse more effectively with them. First, be prepared. Read literature about them. Go to classes that teach how to witness to them. Know what they believe so you can get to major issues and not be deflected by minor ones. Jehovah's Witnesses do not celebrate Christmas, Easter. They don't salute the flag or vote. If you are unprepared to respond to them, you might react emotionally and forget what you want to share with them about God's word. The Watchtower magazine has proved itself again and again to be a false prophet of God. In the April 1st, 1972 issue of The Watchtower, they had an article called, They Shall Know That a Prophet Was Among Them. The author states that the prophet in question was not one man, but rather a body of men and women today known as Jehovah's Witnesses. Jesus warns us to beware of false prophets in Matthew 7, 15. Jehovah's Witnesses have prophesied many events that have never occurred. On several occasions, they have predicted inaccurately, of course, the end of the world. They have said that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be resurrected and living on earth in 1925. Jehovah's Witnesses are false prophets. They are also powerless to refute your own personal testimony. Tell them how the Lord has helped you by answering your prayers and meeting your needs. While sharing this, present the gospel. Explain that sin separates us from God, but that Christ's atoning death on our behalf has reconciled us to the Father. Tell them that faith in Christ alone, not works, is our salvation. Remember one vital point. The main subject must be Jesus Christ. Who is he? What did he do for us? Explain the true work of our Savior. Jehovah's Witnesses have their own translation of the Bible called the New World Translation. At best, it is unreliable. Its translators added and subtracted key words to the original Greek and Hebrew. John 1.1, for example, reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, they add the word A, and then lowercase g, so they say instead of uh, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was, they say, a God, lowercase g. If you ask them if Jesus is merely a God, they will answer, yes, he's a mighty God, but he is not almighty God, Jehovah. But does the New, Te New World Translation agree? Have them turn in their own Bible translation to Isaiah 43, 10 to 11, which says, before me there was no God, and after me there continued to be none. Continued to be none. Explain that Jesus must be one with the Father, according to this verse, and to John one one. Otherwise, they have two true gods: a big God Jehovah and a little God Jesus Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses realize the Bible teaches there is only one true God. Point out John five twenty three: He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. In John 14, 14, Jesus says, you may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus promises to answer our prayers himself. Regarding their false doctrines concerning an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom, show them Luke 23, 43. Here Jesus tells the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. 
For the thief to be with Jesus, according to Jehovah's Witness beliefs, he would have to be in the heavenly kingdom. That's the only place Jesus Christ will be, according to their beliefs. But they teach that the thief is in the earthly kingdom because he did nothing to promote Jehovah's kingdom. Ask them, why would Jesus tell the thief he would be with him if they would not be in the same kingdom? Jesus did not lie. The thief is with Jesus in paradise right now. The next time a witness comes to your door, spend a few minutes sharing your faith in Christ. Plant a seed and leave it in God's capable hands to water it and make it grow. That's uh, the the only part of the article I'm going to read, but I'm going to continue sharing a little bit more about those early years. Some months after the first 10-day radio series that was mentioned in the article, I did another 10-day series on AM850 KFUO on the same topic with Reverend Mark Spitz. This time, it was a live call-in with questions from listeners about that topic, witnessing effectively to Jehovah's Witnesses. We received more than 70 calls and letters asking me for help in rescuing listeners' loved ones who had become or were studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. This helped me realize how many families were divided and in conflict due to having loved ones in the Watchtower Society. During the program, Mothers, fathers, and grandmothers called in, and some cried as they spoke about the heartache and pain they experienced knowing their sons or daughters had become Jehovah's Witnesses. The two radio series got me hooked on the power of radio to reach thousands of people with the gospel message. I want to share just a couple ministry stories from those early years. When my youngest son was in preschool, where I was the volunteer lead teacher, one of our mother's aides came to me and said, Kay, I met a lovely lady yesterday at the YMCA. She has a daughter that's already five years old and needs to get her into a preschool. I know you said our class is full, but I wondered if you could change your mind and allow her daughter to join us. I did change my mind, and I allowed her daughter, Rebecca, to join our class. Her mom told me they were Jehovah's Witnesses the first day they came. She said, we don't say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, so I'd appreciate you making sure she doesn't do this when the class does that every morning. When Easter and Christmas come, her mother continued, I will just keep her home so she isn't doing any of those activities related to these days. I let her know I knew a little about Jehovah's Witnesses and that we would respect their beliefs. The preschool, by the way, was not associated with a religious organization. I began noticing when the children stood in a circle every morning and said the Pledge of Allegiance that if I wasn't looking at Rebecca, she would quietly say the words. But if I looked her way, she didn't. Later in the spring, we celebrated Easter. The children made a cute bunny out of a gallon jug of milk, and they also got some candy for their little bunny. We had them store the baskets in the cloakroom. Several of them had left them there because some of the children had been sick and we had made the basket for them. These baskets still had Easter candy in them. I found Rebecca with her long brown hair, large brown eyes, and always very sweet in the cloakroom, taking candy out of the baskets and stuffing the candy quickly into her coat pocket. When I told her she couldn't keep the candy, she looked up with 
to me with those brown eyes and said, but Mrs. K, I didn't do anything wrong. I responded, no, you didn't do anything wrong, but your mom doesn't want you to have Easter candy. It's so sad that these children have to be isolated during these holidays. They can't even celebrate their own birthdays. After our class ended that year, I took a new Bible to Rebecca's home and knocked on the door. I wanted to give it to her mom. Her mom was polite, but didn't want the Bible. Over the years, I wonder what happened to that sweet little girl. Did she leave the Watchtower Society when she was older? Did she ever come to know Christ? I pray she did. Why don't you join me in that prayer? More stories. Don Nelson wrote Lutheran Hour Ministries. Luther now referred his letter to me. His daughter and son-in-law had become Jehovah's Witnesses. He prayed fervently for them and wanted to learn more so he could help them learn that Jehovah's Witnesses were not Christians and return to Christian faith. I wrote him many times, talked to him by phone, and made copies of our radio program series and mailed that to, to him. He was dedicated to learning more and helping them understand their false teachings and beliefs. It took several years, but he eventually wrote me to tell me they had left the Jehovah's Witnesses and had recommitted their life to Christ. Praise the Lord. During that 10-day series that I did, I did actually two 10-day series. I don't remember which one, but there was a KFUO employee who had a son and daughter-in-law who were in the service and lived in Germany. And she had found out they were studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. She asked if we could make copies of the first 10-day series and send them to her loved ones. I assembled print resources and included them when we mailed these resources to them. Within weeks, we heard from her that they had stopped studying with Jehovah's Witnesses and had returned to their Christian faith. And many years later, I heard from her saying they are still very active and involved in their Christian congregation. Praise the Lord. One of those 70 responses I got from the radio program was a husband. He called me because his wife was a Jehovah's Witness. He was angry and upset about this and had heard about our series. I visited several times with him by phone and mailed him our 10-day radio series that we'd done on KFUO. Some weeks later, he called again and was so excited about what he had learned from our tapes. And he said his wife had also listened to them and had stopped association with the Jehovah's Witnesses. God was working mightily. This is not normal. Um, If they're actively involved in the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not going to leave just by hearing. They're not even going to be willing to listen to a tape. So my guess is she hadn't actually been baptized yet. But God was working mightily. From a stay-at-home mom to the founder of Family Shield Ministries, an amazing journey. Soon after my first encounter with Kathy, I became the chairman of evangelism for Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis, a trainer for our evangelism program, and continued to be active in sharing Christ with many individuals and families in the St. Louis metro community. I learned that I loved to witness for Christ to others and teach. Besides my gifts of evangelism and teaching, I also had strong administrative gifts, probably why I ended up with a nonprofit organization. People who knew of my ministry work used to give me money because they knew I was using my own funds to do the work. In those early years, I set up an office in my home and the ministry continued to grow. 
I designed and presented many educational programs for churches and did extensive writing. We also did many special events at my congregation for Reaching Families for Christ and just fun family events. When Jeff, my youngest son, began kindergarten, I returned to college to finish my undergraduate degree in teaching. I graduated with an elementary education and early childhood degree in 1987. Some years later, I completed my Master of Arts degree in media communications at Webster University in Webster Groves, Missouri. In 1988, I went to work for Lutheran Hour Ministries. I learned a lot and loved their focus on radio outreach and evangelism. I had many opportunities to do other radio programs, produced several children's puppet programs, and produced many print resources for them. A few years later, I took a job as the executive director of a national Lutheran school organization. Taking this position helped me realize I did have the gifts and abilities to lead a nonprofit organization. I've wanted to do it for a long time, but just didn't think I could. And God led me to places that helped me learn that I could do this with the help of a founding board of directors. Fast forward a few more years, the Articles of Incorporation for Family Shield Ministries were signed by myself and the founding board members on February 4, 1994. We became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and as I said earlier, a few years later, we became a recognized service organization of the LCMS, Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. Today, the Family Shield Board of Directors continues to work with me, our staff, volunteers, and our supporters in accomplishing our mission and vision. The vision, we are Christians who care about families and the gospel, transforming lives now and for eternity. The mission, we care about families growing in Christ and equip them to witness to each other and to the world. Please join hands with us. How can you help? Support us through prayer. Pray that the Lord would guide and direct us as we continue our work in the ripe and plentiful harvest and look forward to what the Lord has planned for our future. Pray that others will learn about our work and support us with a one-time financial gift, a monthly gift of any amount, or by putting us in your will or estate. Whether large or small, your gift allows us to reach those that do not yet know Christ and equip Christians to serve and witness in their daily lives. May Jesus, whose name is above all names, bless and keep you in his care. You can learn more about us at www.familyshieldministries.com. This is Kay Meyer. Thanks for listening. Here's one story. These are stories from today. Tanya recently contacted me. Her husband doesn't attend church with her. She explained he had questions about the Christian faith and asked for our help. We visited by phone with her to learn more. His questions focused on evolution versus creationism. We shared past Family Shield programs that dealt with this topic, as well as programs that explained who Jesus is and what he had done for us through his suffering, death, and resurrection. We shared websites, including Answers in Genesis. She told us he listened to every program. He's currently attending a church membership class to learn more about the faith. Praise the Lord. Betty calls and asks for help. 
God continues to open doors for us to share his love and to strengthen individuals and families through the weekly radio program and podcast. The program had just ended when the engineer said, Kay, you have a call. Hello, Mrs. Meyer. Are we off the air? I said, yes. Good. You talked today about prayer. I really need your prayer. Would you pray for me and my husband? During the next few minutes, this woman shared her story. Some months before, she learned that her husband had been involved in a long-term affair. She was understandably hurt, angry, and upset. Mrs. Meyer, he was my best friend. I feel so betrayed. I don't know what to do or where to go. I just can't seem to get over the hurt. She wanted to learn how to forgive him and rebuild their shaky relationship. As we talked, I learned she and her husband had not attended church for many years. I couldn't help but ask, if you never go to church, why are you listening to a Christian program? And she responded, because I need help, and I thought you might be able to offer some answers. What an open door for the message of God's love through Christ. Toward the end of the conversation, I shared the gospel and prayed with her. Later, we referred her to a Christian counselor and to a congregation near her home. The last time we talked, she and her husband were still married and were attending church together. They were also in counseling. Situations like this often often seem impossible to you and me, but God performs miracles every day. He's in the business of restoring broken relationships. After all, isn't that what he sent his son into the world to do? Opportunities to share the gospel abound on Christian radio. So here's a summary of our ministry today. Today, Family Shield Ministries has a network of 54 radio stations that air Family Shield and produce the radio program. It also helps family members through its mentoring missionary work through the Counter Cult Ministry, offers Christ-centered educational programs for churches, and offers help and assistance to thousands of individuals and families through its response center and follow-up services. Thank you again for your prayers and support. Learn more at www.familyshieldministries.org. Again, this is Kay Meyer of Family Shield, and I've been sharing our early history, how me, a stay-at-home mom, became the founder and president of Family Shield Ministries. Please pray for us. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in his word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com. Or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.